Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you know is Forbes that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in San Antonio, Texas. U of A. Alamo Bowl champions. They beat Oklahoma 38-24 yesterday. Down three, U of A won the fourth quarter 17 to nothing. Jed Fish, tell us about that defense. They kept us in the game. They made plays at the right time. They scored a touchdown. Uh, they set up great field position. I can't say enough of our defensive staff, our defensive players, and what they did uh, for this game. Just amazing. That's a win for the Pac-12, but it's U of A's last game in the Big 12. That's a for, in the Pac-12. That's a loss for the Big 12. But that was Oklahoma's last game in the Big 12 before U of A comes into the Big 12. If you're not confused, up next for U of A there at home against New Mexico on Labor Day weekend. Basketball tied for the best non-conference record in the conference at nine and two, with by far the toughest schedule. They take on Cal tonight, who's only four and seven. Tip off at 8:30. Tyler Murray has missed the last two days of practice with what is being called a holiday bug. Now, the other quarterback plays all the time and wins Super Bowls. Head coach Jonathan Gannon. He's hard to bring down and he's extremely quick. So, you know, there's free runners on the tape at times and he just makes a miss. So um, he's who he is for a reason, you know. So uh, we've got a big time challenge ahead of us. He's coached with him. Buddha has played against the Buddha. What do you see when you look at Jalen Hurts? Just an all-around uh, great QB um, compared to, you know, Justin Fields last week. He was kind of scrambling to run. Um, Jalen Hurts does a little bit of both. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Cardinals on the road at Eagles. Kickoff coming up Sunday, 11 o'clock. If the playoffs were today, the Suns would be in last place on the road at Houston for a one-game playoff to see if they get eliminated. Bradley Beal upgraded a questionable for tonight. Suns start a six-game homestand against the Charlotte Hornets. Tip-off, 7 o'clock downtown. Coyotes much better. They're the number one wildcard team right now in the NHL. They're tied with Nashville. Predators are on the road in Detroit tonight. Fresh off the 4-0 comeback against Colorado. The Coyotes have face-off tonight on the road. They're in Anaheim taking on the Ducks face-off at 8 o'clock. Sun Devils not good. 6-5, three-game losing streak right now. They start their conference season at Stanford. Tip-off tonight, 9 o'clock. Thursday night football, Cleveland crushed the Jets 37-20. Flacco looked great. If you had Joku, you probably were going to win this weekend in fantasy. He had 134 yards receiving, most of them in the first half. Browns clinch a playoff spot. Oh, this was crazy. NBA last night, 142-105 Denver a winner. It was Jokic with a triple-double in which he didn't miss a shot. That's only the that's the third time he's done that. That ties Will Chamberlain. And then Tyrese Halliburton had 20 assists and no turnovers for Indiana. And Detroit had a 21-point lead on Boston and blew it. They've now lost 28 straight games. And finally... 
great Oleg Ribkin, who was injured severely defending the motherland against the Ukraine. He's supposed to get 3 million rubles. And instead of the 3 million rubles he's earned for being able to force to leave combat with a severe knee, kidney, and liver injury, they didn't give him the 3 million rubles. They gave him two buckets of carrots and a bag of onions. Sorry, Oleg. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. It was very, very strange. Here is new Aunt Linda trying to tell me about the life and times of my friend, Aunt Linda. This is my hometown. I I know all about it. He was my teammate. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Mark. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. All right, so many things to get to. First of all, hi, good morning, and I'm sorry that I failed you. I I have not been here at work. My family decided to go to Ohio, so we went back home for Christmas this week, and I had planned, I brought my podcast equipment to do a bunch of podcasts over the week, and I think I did two. Maybe I only did one. I don't remember. I failed miserably. I planned on doing so many more podcasts, and it didn't work out. Um, plus, I decided I, I I brought these. These are my backup headphones, and I brought them with me on on my trip. We, we have a rule in the family. Vacation is when you go somewhere cool. Whenever there are in-laws involved, it's not a vacation. It's a trip. So we had a trip to Ohio. 
And uh, so I have my backup headphones on, and I got to blast the backup headphones. They're not very good, but that's why they're a backup pair. But they work. But I don't have that short in the cable, and I haven't dealt with that yet. So I got to get that taken care of. Uh, uh, I have not touched the, uh, the light. So before we go any further, I'll tell you what. Jeff Weir Production, while you... Uh, hit us up on a beer Friday. We'll, uh, I will turn on the light. So here you go. Cheers, my friend. Hooray, beer! Yeah. Hey, very, that. very glad. I almost got back in time. How about that? <laughs> very glad it's Friday. I almost got back. Uh, I, was, I was kind of impressed with my quickness. So you know Doug Franz, Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And then it is a Beer Friday. Happy New Year to everyone that's in the Unplugged Army. Thanks to the A-Mountain Amber Ale, best beer in Arizona, as voted by, well, I guess me. Uh, hopefully you agree with me. <laughs> I, I don't know about any taste test, but it's as voted by me, the best beer in Arizona. You can get it at 100 Mile Brewing Company. And yes, they have millions of other beers. Um, I got to talk about another brewery here in a minute before I get into my weekend and uh, and my week of Christmas. But I, I want to be a good host. And Jeff, we production. I, I want to hear not only everything. Let's, let's start here. How was the Weir family Christmas? How was your life this last week? It was great. Oh, we, wow. Uh, spent it over at my brother's house. The whole family came over, ate some great food. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, that's awesome to yeah. hear. Now, from a from a work standpoint, tell me about what I'm most interested in is the Jeff Schneider performance because he was, you know, he was kind of giddy about, you know what? Well, I'll give this a shot. So he came in Wednesday and filled in for me. How did that go? He started off very timid. Yeah, and as soon as the first guest, and he he was. He had so many guests here that day. I think a total of about six guests. Yeah. And, I mean, it was awesome. He, he, he warmed up to it very quickly. And as soon as that first guest signed on, and uh, he was good to go, man. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it was fun. That is really awesome. Good for him. He was really nervous. And then uh, I, I gave the option to both Izzy and Steve McCollum if they wanted to fill in. Because it's always a... A dicey situation. You want to fill in because, hey, you're a talk show host. You like to talk, but you don't want to get up that early. And you got to have energy for your own show. And you're just picking up responsibilities of somebody else's, not getting any real benefit unless anyone in the Unplugged Army says, man, thanks, Izzy, for filling in for Doug. I'm going to make sure I listen to you, which is how you sell it to people. But you never really know if that happens. So how did uh, the rest of the week go? Yes, Steve filled in for you most of the... Almost every day except for, you know, Wednesday when uh, Jeff... Yeah, oh, that was nice of Steve. Thank you, Steve. So, yeah, Steve did that. Um, I think Izzy was doing so much before that uh, he was getting his show ready, and they did kind of like a mashup show of... Uh, and they're doing it today of TME and uh, Izzy on Sports. Okay, okay. So they're doing like three hours. That's, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Get a little rest. Enjoy yourself, especially on a beer Friday going into uh, a three-day weekend. I, I, You and I haven't talked about this, Jeff Weir Production. I'm not coming in on Monday, are you? No, I don't think anybody's doing okay. any shows on Monday. Good, good. Uh, everybody take a break, and then let's hit 2024 as uh, as hard as we can here at WTSM. And we're coming out swinging. There you go. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, has there While I was gone, were there any big news announcements on WTSM? Um, no. Okay. I don't think so, no. Okay. Um, I'll just keep the news quiet then, okay? We just won't say anything for right now, and then we'll we'll get back to it next year. 
Uh, before I go on with my weekend, I got to talk about Oleg for a second. I didn't have time to send Jeff Weir production a picture. Oleg got well, his le- his knee doesn't bend anymore, and he took a blast from a Ukrainian rocket that's messed up his liver and kidneys. And he's supposed to get three million rubles as part of his injuries in the Russian in service to the motherland and a lifetime pension. And instead, they gave him two buckets of carrots and a bag of onions. How do listen? This is not funny, but it is funny. I, I don't understand how the Russian people think it's okay. Like, all of the years of Putin, how have these people not... I'm like, I'm sorry to cheer on violence, but how do you not have a violent coup take over at some point in Russia? Just when you hear a story like that, that's crazy. And then I looked up what 3 million rubles really were. It's $32,000. So you you get your liver all blasted up, and you get what we wouldn't even pay a teacher. And poor teachers are, especially in Arizona, are some of the most underpaid people in the world. And then a Russian soldier doesn't even make that. And then they, and then they caught three million rubles. Wow. How much is a ruble? Doesn't that sound awesome? And then you're supposed to get a lifetime pension and it said, here's some onions. <laughs> Just, like, again, I wish I wasn't laughing. I wish I was a good enough human being to, you know, have my heart hurt for everybody. But no, I, I just, I, wow. Here's some onions. And hopefully the stories like that get out and more and more people just say, you know what, I'm, you know what, Putin, I'm leaving. I'm out. And, and go somewhere else. Oh, that, that story got to me. So uh, for me, my Christmas... Uh, because of General Mike, everything went great. If you remember, I had a dilemma. How was I going to pull this off? Because my wife likes to be at an airport three days ahead of time. No issues at all. But it is funny, flying out of Phoenix to go to Columbus, Ohio, versus flying back from Columbus to Phoenix. So going through Phoenix security, I had all of my podcast equipment. So they say, hey, do I have to take any of my electronics out? And they said yes to my laptop and my iPad. I said, great. But I got to let you know, in this box is all electronics. And the, and, the guy, and the guy says, what do you mean? I said, I'm a professional podcaster, and I've got my soundboard in here. I've got a, 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 a microphone in here. I've got headphones in here. I got mic cables in here. And, uh, and he goes, okay. What's your podcast about? <laughs> and I don't know if that was like a TSA question to see if I am, a, I don't know, I'm going to blow something up with my box, but uh, and, and therefore I wouldn't be able to answer quick questions about the podcast. And I said, it's about sports. And uh, he goes, Phoenix sports? And I said, yeah. And he goes, are you uh, like a personality? And I said, well, I have one. You know, <laughs> and, and, and then he kind of laughed and I just said, I'm the fired guy from Doug and Wolf. And then he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. So then they didn't even open anything. Too. I just walk right in. We're good. But then coming back from Columbus yesterday, I flew. I got in late last night. I'm t- Between you and I, I'm totally unprepared for today's show. Like, I have no idea what's going on. But I wanted to get back into the rhythm of doing the show. And Steve and Izzy have been so good to me to take care of things. So I just thought, hey, let's give everybody a break and come on in. Even though I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. But uh, so then in Columbus, they make me 
open up the case and I have to take almost everything out. The po- And I felt terrible because the way I drink beer, Jennifer and McKenna left. the. There's a restaurant in the Columbus airport right in front of security. And the guy that in, um, kind of hired me in Kansas City now runs a radio station in Columbus. So we got a beer together. So so it's the five of us getting a beer, talking, blah, blah, blah. So he leaves, but I, I still have a full beer. Jennifer's not waiting, you know, because we're about 45 minutes away from, from the plane boarding. And that's, that's way too long for Jennifer not to be at the gate already. So her and McKenna leave. Vienna and I finish our drinks. And then we get up and we go through security. And now it's this the two of us. But this couple walked in between us. So Vienna is, you know, the 23-year-old's a little bit ahead of me. Another couple comes in front of us. So I start talking to her around this couple. And the couple says, oh, do you want to go ahead? I said, sure. Are you okay with that? Yeah, great. And yet I'm the guy holding up security now. And I usually get mad at the guy holding up security. But they wanted me to take out everything from my podcast thing so not only is it like nine trays of stuff going through individually but then i gotta repack everything so i go through that that scrambler scanner thing with your hands up and i still had my wallet in my pocket well that set it off so now he's got to do basically a cavity search i didn't have to go into some room but the guy takes the back of his hand to almost every body part bumps into my junk twice and says oh sorry and i'm like and and the first time he hit it he hit it pretty good like i could walk but i went ah you know i made a noise and he goes sorry and then he's still just touching everything he needs to touch and I, i don't know what he thought i had hidden things and then he goes okay you're good and i said all of that because my wallet he goes sorry sir and like i didn't want to mock tsa but at the same time i'm thinking okay phoenix is oh yeah sure come on in columbus freak out about the podcast stuff so i finally get through there and then when i get through we still have 20 minutes until boarding starts well i know there's another time for beer so vienna and i go into another bar and we stand we literally stand there for 10 minutes and nothing happens like the the bartender and the waitress walk by us like four times like all right so we, we took the hint so we walked out got on the plane everything's fine on the plane on the flight home but then when the flight was over I, I was sitting on the aisle. The girls were all one row ahead of me. And the two people beside me, I mean, as soon as the fastened seatbelt light gets turned off, they both take off their seatbelts and they stand up. We're on row 17. Like, what are you doing? They both stand up. And I just sit like, I'm not moving. There's nowhere to go. And they stand and they're like hovering over me. Then as the uh crowd finally starts to file out in row one now i get up and i grab a suitcase that's above jennifer's head because i'm kind of in charge of getting the suitcases out of the overhead bin i get one suitcase out and then i ask my daughter for my backpack and i just finally look over at these two people i said you're gonna have to sit down and they just look at me like how dare you and i said here here's how this is gonna work I'm getting the suitcases and they're going to drop right here. So if you're going to do this stand up and hurry up and try to get through row 17 rows of people, you're just going to get hit in the head by suitcases. 
So you decide. Like, what else am I supposed to say? They're literally hanging over my aisle seat as I'm pulling suitcases over the overhead bin. So they finally sit back down, and then I start getting all the suitcases out. And about, I would say, eight minutes later, finally there's a file going out for row 17 for us for us to get out. Just strange people. Like, where do you think you're going? So that was weird. Uh, no crazy mother-in-law stories this year. The only thing that was crazy about the mother-in-law is I actually watched a human being try to unscrew a wine bottle. That was weird. That was very, very weird. If you're, if you're not a wine person, they have this kind of plastic type of wrap that, that goes around the top of a bottle that you just kind of rip off and then you stick the corkscrew in and then you unscrew the, cor- the cork, but you do it with a corkscrew in order to get the cork out. Well, as I asked, do you have a cutter, which is a little wine cutter that cuts right around the top of the bottle so you can easily pop off the kind of plastic whatever that, uh, that it's not paper, but I don't know what that stuff is made out of that caps the top of a wine bottle before you get to the cork. So I said, do you have that? She said, no, but don't you just, and she starts grabbing the wine bottle trying to unscrew the top. I said, no, that's that's not what that is. Do I, can you help me? And then she's like scolding me. Can you help me with the wine bottle? I'm like, well, you don't open it like that. Well, can, I mean, if you just hold it right here, so then fine, what are you going to do? So I held the wine bottle at the bottom while she tries to unscrew the paper at the top. And I said, here, let, I have an idea. Let's use the corkscrew. Well, you have to get the paper off. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I know. I know. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. So then I opened it, stuck the car, and she oh. And she makes a noise after all that. That was, that was the weirdest moment with the mother-in-law. Nothing crazy there. Um... There was one weird moment. We got some sad family news in Jennifer's family. I don't want to say what it is because that's Jennifer's story to tell. But we got some sad family news. But the weirdest thing about it is as we're receiving the sad family news, one of the nieces brought her boyfriend for the first time. So, we're just, so you know, we're just meeting this boyfriend. And then all of a sudden it's, here's the news. And the boyfriend's just sitting there like, oh, what do I do here? So that was... That was <laughs> That was very weird. I, I didn't know what to say to him. And, uh, oh, I, I remember when I opened the show today, the other story is uh, there's a new Aunt Linda in the family. So new Aunt Linda. Uh, my uncle got remarried, and uh, I went to a brewery in downtown Bellbrook. So Bellbrook is my hometown. And uh, somewhat of a high school classmate, a girl that was two years younger than me in high school, she's opened a brewery. Now... It's a little bit of a, it's a horrible story, but her older brother was my teammate and he was one of the best athletes that's ever come out of my high school. And yet the poor guy died at only like 24 years old or something. So he went to play college quarterback and then uh, about two years after college dropped dead of a heart ailment and was just gone and it's a heartbreaking story good for not a good friend but a friend i mean he's a teammate we played basketball together since the fifth grade so i know him really really well and it was really cool to meet her kids who were working at the brewery and i could say hey i'm a friend of uncle tony's they had not heard of me so it was nice to be able to tell them stories about basketball practice and things like that and let them get to know their uncle a little bit better since they weren't alive when he passed and they have a very tasteful but small shrine to him at in the bar 
and, and you have to work your way around a little bit of a corner to see it. That's what makes it really tasteful, but still in honor of him. And I thought that was really nice. Well, new Aunt Linda comes back into this back portion of the bar where we were sitting and starts telling me all about the life and times of my friend. And it was like, listen, this is my hometown. I mean, I'm going to know the guy, let alone the fact that I set screens for him in practice. And, you know, he played and I didn't. So, there, you know, it was a little different of when we were both out on the floor at the same time. But that was kind of weird. Now, granted, she's trying to get to know the family. She doesn't know who knows what. But it was very strange to hear Aunt Linda try to tell me all about my friend, having no idea he's my friend. So that was that was a, that was a little of a weird moment. I finally, after she went on for about ten minutes, I said, "By the way, I I played basketball with him since the fifth grade. I I know him. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah." And, and so I didn't correct her on parts of the story, but that was that was a little strange. I admit. Uh, anything else? I can't think of anything else. Anything thrilling in your life, Jeff? Can't think of anything. All right. Well, I, I guess. Credits? Uh, I guess we got a show to do. Yeah, let's do some sound credits. I would never have done that if you didn't say that. <laughs> uh, so thank you. We got azcardinals.com. Gave us Jonathan Gannon and Buddha. Um, did we get a Jed Fish from ArizonaWildcats.com? Yes, sir. Uh, ArizonaWildcats.com gave us uh, the Jed Fish. And I don't think we've got everything, anything else. I don't think we need anything else. Uh, I admit to you fully, I have, I left the house with 94% available space on the DVR. And last night, I'm down to 14% on the DVR. So I have every bowl game that has two top 25 teams in it recorded. Uh, all of the Suns games. I did watch the Christmas game, but I have not watched the Rockets game yet. I watched the first game against the Avalanche, but I didn't watch the comeback yet. I'm going to watch that today. And I, th- I, and I have uh, – uh, uh, no, I did watch U of A, uh, Florida Atlantic. So I, that's, that's how far behind I am. So I have a lot to do. So, But I did watch the Alamo Bowl last night, and that's a good place to start. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one is Arizona was in a no-lose situation last night, and they doubled down and won everything they could have anyway. The reason why I say that is you're going up against a, a major opponent in Oklahoma. If you're Jed Fish and you lose to Oklahoma, who cares? It's now a quote-unquote SEC team. It's a powerhouse uh, franchise slash organization slash program. What have you got to lose? No big deal. To play with them toe-to-toe looks great, and you just get more reps for Fafita for the upcoming season for 2024. And then even better, down by three, they win the fourth quarter 17 to nothing, dominate that fourth quarter. Now you walk away with a victory. ASU fans, I understand. It's like, Doug, I don't want to hear this. I get it. But I I had told you this from the beginning of – it's just so funny to me how much I liked Jed Fish – and Tommy Lloyd right from the start. And, and U of A fans, I don't know if you're just so used to losing, you don't know any better. I don't know if you just uh, assume that because you have a good basketball team that makes your average fan knowledgeable in basketball. And if you're a good U of A fan, knowledgeable person, I am not ripping you at all, okay? I don't know where your knowledge is. But I just remember 
when I was employed, <laughs> how many people ripped U of A for hiring Tommy Lloyd because he had no experience, wanted Jed Fish out in a heartbeat in years in year one, said, okay, I realize that's hard, but come on, and just ripping him to shreds. And now look, just now look where you are. It's crazy to me how many people ripped those hires. And now you look at Jed Fish, who has a win like that, a quarterback like that, and then proof positive of why receivers should stay in that offense when you look at what T-Mac and Cowing did last night and how stupid any receiver that leaves for USC looked. How was your season? And look at these two guys and how they went off and now did it against Oklahoma, who had three, four weeks or so to get ready for the game. I don't care what players transferred, what players left the portal, blah, blah, blah. You look at what U of A's offense did to Oklahoma's defense and a head coach that's a defensive head coach. They embarrassed them last night. And Fafita just continues to grow. And now you get that kind of exposure, national television, even though you could say almost every college game's on national television nowadays. Still, this is different. Now, I realize the bowl games have really lowered in significance, but that is a great win and a great performance for U of A yesterday. Let's get to some of the sound from Jed Fish in which, uh, if you could give me Jed 1, uh, Jeff, and, and this is just, you know, Jed Fish always has his opener where he thanks everybody in the world, but you can see how giddy he is because he knows there are some bowl wins that, let's face it, they don't matter. This is not one of them. This is a bowl game that mattered and a win that mattered for U of A. Yeah, I'd just say um, really thrilled for our team today. Um, the way our team played this game I thought was just uh, pretty amazing. Defensively, six takeaways in a game. Um, they kept us in the game. They made plays at the right time. They scored a touchdown. Uh, they set up great field position. I can't say enough of our defensive staff, our defensive players, and what they did uh, for this game. Just amazing. And, um, you know, I would say that on top of that, I think offensively, uh, Noah, T-Mac, Jacob, uh, just made some plays in the passing game when we needed it. So uh, together, I think all, as a team, we just played great football. But more than anything, I would say two years ago, we started this journey. And, uh, you know, we, we were coming off. We got hired here. We went 1-11. And, 11, and uh, everybody believed in the, what we were trying to get done. And these guys up here, uh, almost all of them joined us. Uh, Dalton and Gunner were there for that first year. The other three guys came and joined us after the first year. And um, just for this team, the amount of players we have that um, joined us while we were going through the adversity, for them to be able to experience this now is pretty amazing. I, 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 that was pretty, I, 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 I really liked what he did there because I'm not going to fault players who jump ship anymore. Okay. There's a transfer portal for a reason. It is a business now. Find what's right for you. Yet. I'm the first person to stand up and say, if you really want to understand life, stick it out. Because you're going to, your chances of being an NFL player are slim to none. I don't mean, that's not a U of A shot. That's just college football in general. 
And so you're going to learn so much more about life being a Mike Bercovici who stays through the adversity all the time versus bouncing around everywhere and never really finding a home. And then when it comes to college connections of the past, you don't have that connection. Like yesterday when I told you, uh, uh, was it yesterday? No, two days ago. I told you about my friend Tony and going to his sister's brewery. Um, I met her son who is attending Ohio University and immediately we're connecting. I gave him my phone number if there's something I can do to help. You know, it's something where, oh, you're going to Ohio. I, I want to be a part of your life and I want to help. And if you're one of these college kids that say, oh, I wanted, you know, 100 balls thrown to me in my freshman year and I only got 20, I'm out. Okay, where is your connection going to be? I know people are lying to you, telling you you're the greatest receiver of all time. You're going to be in the NFL, and it's the coach that's holding you back and all that crap they feed you, and you believe it. And then you don't learn how adversity defines your character, and you learn from it. And I, I just love where Jed Fish was going to talk about how bad year one was and the reward those kids have to feel like after going through that and being there for year two. If you didn't get a chance to see the game, U of A's up 10, 13, nothing, something like that. And then uh, – Oklahoma comes roaring back. Do you mind if I cheat? Let me remember what it was. Yeah, it was 13-0, and then it's 24-13, Oklahoma. 24-13, and U of A scores with two seconds left in the third and then dominates the fourth quarter. So U of A scores 24 straight points. So just that, when we talk about adversity, you know, you're the underdog. No one expect your little U of A, that's big Oklahoma. You're up 13 to nothing. Okay, we're Oklahoma. We'll start paying attention now. Boom. It's 24-13. You don't belong in our league. And you win? Man, that says something, Jed. Jed, two, please. Well, it's 24-13, and they had the ball on, I think, driving into the red area. Um, and then we have an 89-yard return for a touchdown by Gunner to make it 24-19. You know, there's not a lot of conversations that are going on at the – I mean, halftime was 14-13. We talked about, hey, it's going to be a battle. We were expecting a battle. Uh, there was nothing going to be easy, even though we went up 13-0 in the first quarter. But uh, the guys just kept competing. And um, I really believe our strength staff does an amazing job of making an emphasis of the fourth quarters when we win games. And um, we made the play on defense. Then Noah made an unbelievable play out of two-point play to Montana to make it 24-21. And then uh, from that point in time, I think uh, the springboard occurred. And um, I think Irving made an incredible pick that got us there to kick a field goal to tie the game up. And then uh, those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter were, were fun to be a part of. I like the recall, but – did you hear the number he threw out there? The turnover ratio was a plus five for U of A. They had one turnover. Oklahoma had three fumbles, three interceptions. And I like how he expressed the fourth quarter. That's more where you're recruiting your own guys. Because you'll be able to remind that. And this is another reason why you should be optimistic if you're a U of A fan, is that you're now going to have an entire offseason where you're going to be able to say to the kids, the work you did last year 
is why you were able to win the last 15 minutes and two seconds of that game by by a score of 24 to nothing. That's why you were able to do that is all the work you did. So not only don't let up, push yourself even harder for more domination coming up next year. And I thought that's that's pretty powerful when you have that last taste in your mouth of a dominant fourth quarter and you know what uh, what that means. And then let's highlight that number again. 6 to 1 turnover ratio, Jed. Yeah, I mean it was it was phenomenal. Six turnovers in a game is I mean it's the dream number 1 and we scored 28 points off of the turnover, so that helps. But uh, when you look at it, um, the, way, the way our defense played all year, they just got better and better and better and better, and they just kept finding ways and finding ways to, uh, to make plays. And uh, we've got one of the, uh, the greatest stories uh, this season with the defensive turnaround from a year ago till today. And the fact that we have so many players returning again, uh, you know, just sets the standard and raises the standard. And Coach Nansen and Coach Aquino and – uh, Coach Kafusi and Coach Cecil, Coach Richardson just have done an amazing job of getting these guys in position to play hard, believe in the system, and then be able to make the plays like they did today. It's, it's really a testament to coaching and not being, not being somebody that instantaneously wants everybody fired. I hope I'm doing a good job of taking U of A which is a story that admittedly a lot of you don't care about. But being able to transfer that story through a prism of life and through a prism of whatever your team is, if your team is struggling, how to get through it. And if you're a U of A fan, think about where your defense was last year. And how often did you think somebody should be fired for it? When it's so hard to teach a system and get 11 guys on the same page on almost every play. And you've got to eliminate the mental errors and and the meltdowns. And then if the other team exploits those mistakes, now you're a dead duck. But if you get through that with good players and good coaches who really are able to teach from the mistakes, you end up getting to this point. And it is a powerful statement to say you've got that defense being able to uh, to come back. And th- that's why I liked that last statement from, from Jed Fish. Now, if you look at it from an offensive standpoint, if Fafita comes back without an attitude, whenever you have a year like this, when you were started as the backup and you ended as one of the better quarterbacks in the whole conference – You have two ways that you could go. You could either get high and mighty and think you don't have to work hard, or you can say, I just scratched the surface. Watch what I can do. If you get the latter, you're going to have a force come the Big 12, a conference that's not known very well for its defense. You're going to be sitting really nice. Now, can you add T-Mac to that mix next year? kind of settled down a little bit in the fourth quarter we made some plays um t-mac made plays uh to get us going uh there were some big time slants that he caught for us there were some big time plays over the middle that he caught for us uh in that situation noah hung in there he used his feet a little bit more i think a couple of those scrambles made a big difference for us um obviously jacob uh made a huge play uh, for us on that in our dash pass and then 
you know, we were able to run the ball there at the end. And we tried to run the ball. We struggled early um, and really struggled throughout the game. And credit to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got a heck of a defense now. And Coach Benables is probably one of, if not the best defensive coach in the country. Uh, so they gave us a lot of challenges and a lot of unique looks. But uh, our guys hung with the plan. We adjusted a couple things here or there. And uh, DJ brought us home, as he always does, with that final run. I get it when, when players don't play in a bowl game. Every NFL scout would love to hear a player say, I am playing because my teammates have sacrificed for me, so now I want to sacrifice for them. I have heard of quarterbacks that have said, I'm going to play because it'll help make my teammates look better on film. But I do get it. I mean, you're playing in, for all intents and purposes, a meaningless game. There are something like 70, 78 bowl teams now, something obnoxious. It's just a money grab. You have every right to sit out prepare, and, and avoid injury, prepare yourself for the draft. But I would love to tell every player, if you have a good bowl game, it does show something to scouts that you want to compete now, there have been plenty of players that have gotten hurt, uh, Michael Parsons. You know, there have been plenty of players that have gotten hurt in bowl games, and then it, it sets them back, and that, that could be you, and I get it. I'm bringing this up because there was a lot of shuffling on the U of A offensive line, which I think shows you even more what a good coach that you have if you're a U of A fan, that they thought this is our best line to go into the game. And then have the patience to let them fail on the field, but the sense of urgency to realize, okay, we've given them enough time. Let's move some pieces around. Here's Jed Fish on finding the best front five. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we made a couple changes. Uh, I think everybody competed really well. I think that they brought some uh, challenging looks, challenging fronts, challenging games that uh, made, it, made it difficult. Uh, on Joe on his first start, made it difficult uh, on Raymond on his, you know, first start left tackle, um, you know, kicked Jonah back out of tackle there in the fourth quarter and brought Leif in a guard and, uh, you know, tried to make a couple changes um, there. But uh, in the end, you know, we were, we were shuffling around and we were trying to get our best, you know, our best five out there. Uh, Jordan Morgan's a first-round pick. So, you know, when you lose him for the last game, uh, at the left tackle position, you're going to uh, end up, you know, having a couple challenges early. But I think the guys settled in, and uh, we were able to get them what we needed to. I, the reason why I like that so much, it goes back to the point of true game day coaching. There are a lot of coaches that are brilliant practice coaches. There are some coaches that are a little disorganized in practice. They don't get enough done, but then they're really good game day coaches. Some people have the magic of being able to do both. Some people get in over their head. And we don't know whether they're over their head until later in their career. Sometimes it's proven pretty quickly. But that that's just great coaching to figure out, okay, what's working, what's not working, even though you set up you know, a whole game plan. I got really lucky when I was in Kansas City where the offensive coordinator that was there with the Chiefs at the time was one that was willing to share lots of things with me. So not only did I sit and watch film with him and learn about his offensive philosophies, learn how 
to watch tape, learn how to see coverages. But also we would talk a lot of times on a Monday morning after the game. Sometimes even about decisions the head coach made that he disagreed with. But he trusted me enough to be able to have that discourse back and forth for when I agreed with the head coach or when I agreed with him. And it helped me a lot as a talk show host then too. Because you're really emboldened, I have to admit, for right or wrong, to disagree with the head coach when you know the offensive coordinator disagreed with him too. Now, I never said that. I was No way was I going to create division there. But then other times, it was kind of fun to debate with an NFL offensive coordinator to say, no, you're wrong. The head coach was right. This, this, this. And different things like that. I really learned so much about the game, and I hope I do a good job just having that that knowledge pass right through me and right onto you here on Doug Franz Unplugged. But one of the things he told me is he's hesitant to make too many game day changes because he said a lot of game day changes can be emotion. All week long, you've said this is the best way to prepare. This is the best formations, the best plays, the best setups. This is how to defeat this team. And then all of a sudden, because you have a crappy first quarter, you want to run around and change everything. And yet he said, but sometimes you got to do it. And I just thought, man, is that an art of coaching? Knowing when am I making changes because I'm emotional and when am I making changes because they're needed? If my guys just aren't playing well, then it's not bad plays. They're not playing well, and they've got to figure it out. But how often is it because my bad plays are exposing flaws that they have, and I've got to change? And hearing Jed Fish talk about the moving parts, uh, that, that, really, uh, that really tells me something that, uh, that I like. Okay, let's go back to the point that I made previously in looking at – this again, this goes for every program in America – can you get your guys to push through in strength and conditioning? I think this fourth quarter, a lot of you might disagree with me, and I can understand how easy it is to disagree with me, to say, Doug, come on. It's a fourth quarter in a meaningless bowl game. Why do you care? A 24 nothing run when you clearly were in better shape than the other team is an eye-opening moment that validates all of the work you did, strength and conditioning-wise, and it allows people to more freely let themselves be pushed going into 2024. Here's Jed Fish talking about the advantage they always felt they had in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think that we just talk about it a lot, and we work really hard, and we don't, we don't really change. We don't change the way we work. I mean, we condition after practice. We don't really give days off if we don't have to and we work very hard and I think finishing is a part of that that the way our strength staff has handled the offseason program and our uh, win first program the way our coaches understand how we coach and what our expectation is um, I don't know finishing is the most important thing you can do and um, you know you don't win the game in the first quarter and you don't win the game in the second quarter and you don't win the game in the third quarter so if you learn that and you believe that then these guys go out there and when it, they don't flinch, they know that the fourth quarter is going to be the game, the, the time that they got to be at their best. You now have that proof to the players, especially coming off a bowl, uh, coming into a bowl game when you never really know how kids are going to react. How hard are they really going to work? Boy, U of A's in a good spot. All right, let's wrap up U of A. Last one from Jed Fish about, okay, 
What about 2023? What about 2024? What about the break? What are you guys doing? Well, I told our guys we're going to enjoy tonight. Okay, we're going to enjoy. We're going to put an end to this season. And uh, tonight was the last game of this season. And then uh, we'll take a little break. And we'll come back. And then we'll start preparing for the Big 12. And we'll, um, we'll be going into the Big 12 with a lot of momentum. We're on a seven-game win streak. And uh, it's pretty awesome for Arizona football to be on a seven-game win streak. And, uh, you know, we're just going to go out there and we're going to enjoy tonight. We're going to enjoy our time back at home. Um, we've got some fantastic players with fantastic families. And it's their time to go enjoy their New Year's with their parents and New Year's with their friends and New Year's with their families. And then we'll all come back in January, uh, January 10th or whatever it is, and start working our way through the process of getting ready for the next conference. But, um, you know, I love our players. And I think the reason why we can do what we do is because our players stay and our players work hard and our players believe. And uh, where else would you rather be than go try to be in the top 10 or better next year? That's awesome. Uh, listen, I'm never going to be a fan of U of A. Um, I'm always going <laughs> to – I don't know about always rooting for you to lose, but I do kind of root for Tucson to be miserable. I really don't like Tucson. I don't have a, I don't really have – as an ASU fan, I don't hate U of A like the average ASU fan. Man, I can't stand Tucson. I can't stand Tucson. So, therefore, by proxy, you know, I don't want people in Tucson to be happy people at all. So I'm always going to root against them. But when I sit in this chair, it's my job to be fair, and it's my job to tell you what I think. And U of A fan, I think you're in a fantastic position. I realize you've got a lot of issues financially that have to get worked out, and you've got issues as a fan base. I'm calling you out. It's not very often a school has that good of a football coach and that good of a basketball coach at the same time. And the football program severely undersupported from where it should be. But there did seem to be a pretty good fan base in San Antonio. Now, maybe it was just some camera work and always showing the same pocket of fans or something, but it looked like you had a pretty good thing going there. So, congratula- I say congratulations. I hope you're miserable next year. But, man, you, de- you deserve um, – or you should be really pumped about 2024 and really supportive about uh, what 2023 just happened. All right, coming up next – uh, hardcore Cardinals. I'm hoping to get to a little Suns today as well, but hardcore look for the Cardinals deep into this game against the Philadelphia Eagles with one simple question. Does it matter? Really? Does Cardinals-Eagles matter at all? I say it does, and I'll explain why next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on a beer Friday. Presented by 100 Mile Brewing Company. In Tempe. Cheers. Here is Sue Riggler on starting 100 Mile Brewing Company. What started 100 Mile Brewing Company is I actually have a degree in microbiology from ASU. Go Devils. And went back to school. I found out that UC San Diego had a brewing program, so I enrolled in that. And with the intention of opening a brewery, I came back to Tempe because it's Sun Devil country. I wanted to open a brewery in Tempe, which fresh, it never gets old is our tagline. And I'm pretty much a stickler about fresh beer. It's got to be fresh. Otherwise, it's not going to be served here. I know it's a little bit difficult to understand this, but right now is a fantastic time to get a new air conditioner. Your AC unit has worked unbelievably hard in one of the hottest summers on record in the city of Phoenix. 
Well, right now, Parker and Sons has stocked up on air conditioners for the summer, and now the summer's over. So they're not nearly as expensive to get those units because they need to move them on. So you get that tremendous advantage on price. Now, if you're not sure if you need a new air conditioner, join the Parker family plan. We've been on the Parker family plan since about, oh, I don't know, a year or two after we moved here, and it's been fantastic. I totally believe they helped extend the life of our current unit by keeping it up to date with its warranty, warned us of pending doom, we admit, and eventually we got a new one from Parker and Sons and saved a lot of money because we were on the Parker family plan. Call 6022 repair. That's 602 the number two. Then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. If you didn't hear it, if you're listening to the podcast right now, Amazon, Google, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, and uh, Apple, thank you. I really need downloads to get pushed up, so please listen as much as you can. Uh, yet, you don't hear the television commercials on WTSMTV.com, and there was a promo that Steve McCollum had, and it sounds like a lot of fun. So please, uh, if you're watching... Doug Franz unplugged right now. Please stay on because with it being a holiday, there's no reason for Steve and Izzy to do all four hours of both shows, but have a little more fun, cram them together, and then both of them get out a little bit longer to, or sooner to enjoy time with their families uh, on the holiday weekend, especially on a beer Friday. So that's coming up today in a little bit, uh, a little, a little over an hour or so, eight to eleven. iOS Izzy on sports and the main event. So please stay tuned. If you are someone that's not watching live, love to have you start doing that upgrade to the live portion. But if you're not watching at all, please consider becoming a fan of the basic level. And once you do that, you have access to all of our on-demand programming. So you can see all of the shows, maybe when you get home or watch them over lunch uh, at your convenience. And if you're a live member, if you ever miss one, don't forget, you have the on-demand portion already included. So you can always go back and watch something on-demand or later in the day to make it work for your schedule. This is a strange game this weekend. The Eagles have the sixth best rushing offense in football, and the Cardinals are dead last in rush defense. And you also saw what a similar quarterback in Justin Fields, who is has all of the skill set that Jalen Hurts has. Hurts has two things, a little better weapons. I should say a little, a lot better weapons. That's not the fault of Justin Fields. But also he sees the field a lot better. He sees coverage a lot better. So you combine those two things, you've got a much better offense and still the same weak defense for the Cardinals. So that's going to be a major issue. I personally don't see how the Cardinals have a chance in this game with that fact alone. If you can't handle Justin Fields on the road, what in the world makes you think you're going to be able to handle Jalen Hurts uh, on the road? Um, quick one from, from JG at the beginning is issues with Kyler Murray. He did not practice on Wednesday. He did not practice on Thursday. And the big question becomes, is he going to go today? And therefore, the question, is he going to go Sunday? Where do we stand? Kyler is under the weather, got the holiday bug, so he will not be out there. Ledbetter is going to go to IR and uh, ready to go to practice today. IR situation is one where he 
is uh, out now. Uh, knee injury done for the year really messes up the defensive uh, line rotation. And with Kyler, it is interesting. I, I don't think this affects the great question, but maybe it does. And that is, is Kyler Murray the 2024 quarterback? Now, I want you to know why I say things, but then how I read what other people say. Okay, here's what I mean. When I talk about the big decision for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and whether or not he's the starting quarterback in 2024 or whether they cut him, I keep bringing that up to you because I think they should move on. I I don't think you'll ever win a Super Bowl with Kyler Murray, and I think that's why we're here. You're here to win Super Bowls. That's the job of every organization. And for a guy, to me, like Kyler, who doesn't see the coverage well enough, doesn't read the coverage well enough, and doesn't put the time in in the past, that, to me, enough said, I'm ready to move on. But I give you my opinion whether that's the team's opinion or not. Okay? I don't think this is wishy-washy. You, you decide on your own if you do. Other members of the media will write articles or say things based on what they're hearing. So they keep bringing up situations, not as if it's their opinion, but as if they believe it's going to happen or it is a serious conversation. I bring that up for two reasons. There are two people that I really, well, I respect more than this, but two people I really respect as good insiders that do their homework that I know have good sources. And the reason why I know it is because sometimes I've bumped into them in either talking to a source or somebody has said, well, didn't you do this? Like telling me, well, didn't you read Bobby Mack? Didn't you hear what this guy said? Blah, blah, blah. Letting me know, okay, that guy's tied in. But Bobby Mack is really tied in, the writer for the Arizona Republic, and so is Cam Cox, the main anchor of 12 News, sports anchor. Almost every article that talks about Kyler Murray that Bobby Mack writes, he writes in there the pending decision on the future of Kyler Murray. Now, you might argue differently. You might say that's just a guy trying to drum things up. The reason why I don't think so is because if Kyler Murray is the starting quarterback of 2024, it immediately becomes the question, Bobby, why do you keep bringing it up? You're just trying to throw your agenda into this conversation. What are you doing? You know, that's the kind of backlash you get. And it would be somewhat correct. Why keep bringing it up? You were just proven wrong. But if you feel like you have the sources, you, you believe they are having discussions about the future, you keep bringing it up in repeated articles that kind of sets the stage for what you know and then it shows to the reader wow bobby mack kept bringing this up time and time again i bring it up because i think that's what they should do bobby mack's the type of person that brings it up because he knows something so i read his recent article and it talks about kyler and now you have kyler with a bug can't practice okay Here's another example. And if it's a different quarterback, I admit, I'm not saying this. Like, oh my gosh, he's sick. Calm down. But when it's a quarterback that there's always something going on, you have to deal with it again. We'll see if he practices today and uh, and how that goes. The The decision, to me, I still think you, you move on from Kyler in the offseason. And I still don't think the Cardinals will. 
even though Bobby Max bringing it up and he has good sources, I just feel like they don't want to take that cap hit. Because if you thought this year was bad, next year would be horrible when you don't have a quarterback and you don't have the money to replace him with a good one other than drafting somebody early on and then you're not able to put any weapons around him. I kind of feel like they might draft a quarterback not in the first round, later on in the draft and then allow Kyler to take the, take the cap hit of Kyler play this year, then cut him for 2025. And if you've seen enough from your drafted quarterback, he becomes the quarterback for 2025. And if you don't like what you saw, who cares? You draft one in 2025 and try it again. Something like that. I think Kyler's going to be the quarterback for 2024. I just don't think he should be. But when I keep reading articles and hearing different very um, – very, how should I say, inside talking heads, talking about a future without Kyler, maybe I'm wrong and the Cardinals are going to cut him because they're the ones on the inside talking about it. Uh, this is kind of important. Again, another player drafted by Steve Kime that the new regime just says can't cut it. Tell us about letting go Marco Wilson, coach. Yeah, I feel good about the guys in the room. Um, respect Marco. He handled himself like a pro. But I uh, feel good about moving forward. Any reasoning why you didn't wait until after the season to do it? No, it's just, I mean, there's, you know, so many spots, you know what I mean? So to get some guys up and playing and the roster construction of all that, um, just felt like it was best for the team for this week moving forward. That is a fantastic follow-up question. It really is. You, you wait, wait, wait. Where are we in the season? You got a game against Philly. You got a home game coming up after the season's over. I mean, you've had him this long. Don't you owe it to him to stay? And the truth is, no. I I love the Jonathan Gannon cut Marco Wilson. I don't have anything against Marco Wilson at all, but I love that they cut him. Because the team, I don't know, I admit, I don't have somebody that I asked coming back off the plane, and I'm sorry that I'm a little underprepared. Hopefully, you forgive me a little bit. I, I'm not ready to do today's show, and I did it anyway. <laughs> so I, I admit it. But uh, So I haven't texted anybody to find out what's going on with Marco Wilson. But I think the Patriots actually picked him up, did if they? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I read that. I, th- here's my – like. Uh, what I mean more, Jeff, is why did the Cardinals cut him? Oh, I haven't okay. texted somebody inside to say, okay, what? Well, well, because here's why. Maybe he's just not very good. Maybe it's because he's not – maybe this is a highly intelligent system and he – I hate to be a jerk, but maybe he's not smart enough to understand the system. Maybe it's simply that sometimes it's you follow the system, but you don't understand the rules of when you can break parts of the system to go make plays. Other players, it doesn't matter whether they understand the system or not. They're selfish and they just want to make plays and they abandon their responsibilities. It's really it's a fascinating part of football, which is there are rules for your position. But no coach is going to be upset if you break the rules and you're always making plays when you do it. Reason why, like, for an example, if you watch ESPN, I love Ryan Clark. I think Ryan Clark is one of the smartest football players that's ever played. I think he's a fantastic leader, but he's one of the most selfless guys to ever play. And here's why I say this. If I say if he was never on ESPN, and I want you to think about this, and I said the name Ryan Clark. Does anybody, do any of you in the Unplugged Army go, oh, I like Ryan Clark? 
You know, like, do you, you feel bad about him? But if I say the name Troy Polamalu, don't you go crazy? I mean, don't you immediately think Hall of Famer? I'm not taking anything away from Troy Polamalu. But Troy Polamalu was so fantastic. He could play completely unsound football and make great plays. He was a smart player and he knew when he could break the rules. But he was breaking the rules all the time. And I don't mean the rule book. I mean the fundamental parts of the game of football and what the defense was trying to do. He was so smart, he would see something on film, realize he could exploit it. He read the play. He makes the play. But every now and then, he made a mistake. Ryan Clark was the other safety with Troy Palomalu. Ryan Clark never made a mistake. <laughs> now, of course, that's not true. But he was so brilliant with such a high football IQ. He not only knew everything he could do within a defense, but he would see what Troy saw, knew Troy was going to do something crazy, and then knew, okay, since Troy is doing this, now my responsibilities for my job change. I've got to now add part of Troy's responsibilities. Troy's not going to get to the quarterback or get to the running back, or Troy's going to get exposed if I don't do my job and his job. And Ryan Clark never complained about it. Never said, how come Troy Palomalu always gets the credit? What about me? What about me? See what I mean? That, that's why I love Ryan Clark. And so there are ways that you break the rules within a defense and end up making great plays. Yet at the same time, if you don't make great plays and you're breaking the rules of the defense, now that's how you get cut. I don't have any idea why Marco Wilson got cut other than I could just say, well, he doesn't make any plays. But it is fascinating. I like the fact that the team said, we're not going to wait till the end of the year. Good luck. You might get picked up by another team. It's a good opportunity for you that you're not in just the mess at the end of the season. But this is an opportunity for the Cardinals to show every player on the team, this is the standard. Marco didn't hit it. We move on. And that's great for a team that's as bad as the Cardinals are. Okay, uh, up next with, uh, with JG, if you didn't hear it, Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, said how happy he is to have Jonathan Gannon back, said it's going to feel like a divisional game because even though it's the Cardinals, they've played the Cardinals a couple times recently, and with Jonathan Gannon taking the Eagles system, it's like we're really familiar with Washington, New York, and Dallas, so we're familiar with everything that they do, but there's enough tweaks to it that it's not our system necessarily anymore but there's a great deal of familiarity and then he threw out one more thing as a shout out to Eagles fans on how he expects Jonathan Gannon to be received Nick Sirianni went on WIP today and said he's going to tell you this but that he wants you to be so uncomfortable that you never want to come back to Philly your thoughts he already told me he told me he, I think, yeah I think he was driving in um, but uh, no you guys know I got nothing but love and respect for all those people there um, obviously great two years from my family and I um, 
and uh, you know how tight I am with Nick. But uh, it's like I said, it's compete, 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 and uh, that's a great place to play. It's a hostile environment. You know what I mean? They're on our side for two years when I was there, but uh, our, our guys know it's. A, we've played in some hostile environments. That's that's going to be one of them. Um, so we got to do a good job of handling the elements and the the noise and those things and operate at a high level. There's a there's a secret little beatdown right there. Not from JG. Think about Eagles fan, okay? Eagles fan loves to get their pound of flesh. And you might feel like, why do the Eagles care about the Cardinals? The Eagles' defense laid an enormous egg in last year's Super Bowl, especially in the second half. The defensive coordinator is Jonathan Gannon. And then Jonathan Gannon answers a couple questions after the Super Bowl is over. And then, boom, is immediately being interviewed, supposedly, hired by the Arizona Cardinals to be their head coach. And then the Eagles file a grievance. It's settled with the commissioner for a swap of draft picks. It's basically 100% tampering and cheating that the Arizona Cardinals did. Didn't technically get away with it, but man, paid a very, very light penalty for what they did. And then Monty Ossenfort took all the blame. Yes, I made a mistake. I contacted him here. I was supposed to do this. I knew I made the mistake. We reported, you know, whatever. It was a blatant lie on the part of the Cardinals. There's no way it happened the way the Cardinals said it did because it's illogical for it to have happened that way. Because think about it this way. If you don't know what I'm talking about, According to the Cardinals, they contacted Jonathan Gannon to see if he was interested in the job. He said yes, and they weren't allowed to do it within that time frame. Then they interviewed him the day after the Super Bowl. They named him head coach. So it's one way or the other. I want you to think about this for a second. Either the Cardinals did an exhaustive search, really did a heavy interview with him before, and did the finishing touches later and hired him to be their head coach. So that means they cheated. If they did their real due diligence on who should be the head coach, well, then they had to have cheated. Or they hired Jonathan Gannon after one conversation on a Monday after the Super Bowl. That, that Like you're sitting there, the guy just got finished getting bum-rushed in the second half of a Super Bowl, and he killed the interview so much that you didn't need another interview and you're announcing him as your next head coach. <laughs> the Cardinals can choose whatever storyline they want. Either they cheated like crazy and lied about it, or this is just such a joke of an organization that you hire a coach after a four-hour conversation. Up, oh, you're the one. We're done. We don't need to interview anybody else. All of our interviews were trash. You're the guy. I mean, which one? Whatever you guys want to push on us as a fan base, go ahead. Admittedly, I like Jonathan Gannon, but I just happen to believe the former happened, in which they cheated and lied about it, but did their due diligence, and that's how they ended up with what I believe is going to be a good coach. Well, having said all that, you think the Eagles fans don't remember? You're the defensive coordinator that cost us the Super Bowl. 
You're the guy that had to have cheated. You're the guy that had to have accepted that call from Monty Austin Ford, that had to have talked about the Cardinals head coaching job before the Super Bowl. And now, whether this is true or not, I don't know, but had to have been focused on a job and your future and not focused on the Super Bowl. So they blame that guy for losing the Super Bowl. And now the head coach tells the local sports station, you know, I hope our fans make it really uncomfortable for them. Yeah. Yeah. That goes a lot deeper than just, oh, it's my friend. I'm, I'm kicking it around and have a little fun. He's, he's scratching a scab right there. Nick Sirianni is scratching off a scab, making sure Philly fans don't forget. He can act like he's not. A uh, really good question here. You just struggled playing Justin Fields, and now you're playing a guy with a similar skill set who's just better in Jalen Hurts. How does the preparation for the Bears make it easier, enhance, or does it do anything for the preparation for the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, I told him today, the defense, like we didn't do a good enough job against um, Justin. You know, and if, if we don't do a good enough job against Jalen, he will, I mean, threat us. So we got to we got to execute a lot better than what we did, because Jalen is also a guy that can extend plays. He's extremely accurate on the move. Um, they generate explosives when he's on the move. Um, and then he can also tuck in and run it, and he's a tough tackle. Um, so we got to do a much better job of that, keeping him in the well when we need to keep him in the well and um, executing at a high level on defense, to give ourselves a chance to win. That, that is exactly why I don't think they'll win. Exactly why I don't think they'll win. Uh, I'll give you my opinion on this uh, answer after you hear it. But this is something that's interesting going forward. Coach was asked, what kind of improvements have you seen from Greg Dortch? I have, and and he's doing, a, and I think he's done a much better job of playing different spots for us, um, which was huge for us. You know, when guys start going in and out of the lineup, you got to be able to play multiple spots typically. So um, he's obviously a playmaker for us, and he's working on that part of his game, and I've been pleased with it. Working on playing, <laughs> I love, I love the Beer Friday side, David. Thank you again. I just, I just kind of looked at it over there and thought, man, that's awesome. A Mountain Amber Ale, even though I just drank it. The official beer of Doug Franz Unplugged, 100 Mile Brewing Company, the sponsors of Beer Friday on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. The Greg Dortch story is really interesting, and I like that he said he's really worked hard at knowing different positions. Greg Dortch, I think it's okay to call him a playmaker when you get the ball in his hands good things normally happen the thing is about greg dorch from what i see from the outside okay he's not a smart football player he runs a lot of bad routes but if you see a play break down who's the one that gets open greg dorch he's got all kinds of skills as a receiver and when you get that guy the ball a lot of good things happen But have you ever noticed how often 
Kyler is kind of yelling at him coming off the sidelines or looking frustrated in the general direction of Greg Dorch like he was supposed to go somewhere and 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 maybe cut off the route based on a zone or maybe he was supposed to read the safety and it was a read route and he was supposed to break to the outside or he's supposed to go into that hole past in a cover two past the corner but before the safety and there's little nuances in route running that Greg Dorch just doesn't seem to get and that's why he barely ever played with Cliff Kingsbury because all of his routes are basically read routes for everybody other than the simple D hop run 10 yards on the field and turn left but everybody else you had read routes based on the coverage and Dorch did things wrong so often but once a play broke down now it's just backyard football and Greg Dorch is like one of the best backyard football players there are that's why Dorch never got consistent playing time because the team never knew what he was going to do if now he's being complimented for his knowledge of other positions because it was hard enough to get him to do one position right and yes it's not you're not just a wide receiver there's wide receiver positions on a field if he is learning different spots and actually improving his football IQ, he becomes a legitimate weapon. So that's a big moment to hear Jonathan Gannon say that. Now, he might just be making it up, but I thought that was pretty big. Okay, run defense, atrocious in the first half against the Bears. Not acceptable in the second half, but not terrible. What changed? Playing blocks a little bit better, setting better edges, building a wall a little bit better, fitting where we're supposed to fit, tackling when we're supposed to tackle, getting more than one head on the ball, keeping leverage on the ball, not losing the cup. Um, and our violence was, uh, you know, where it needed to be. It's, you know, it's, it's funny when you ask that. It, it's, it's the basics of playing football, you know. And that's what it comes down to. It's not some souped-up call. It's not magic. It's playing good, clean, solid football. I would say run defense is about 30 30 to 40%, eh, maybe even higher. This is all made up by me, but I would say about 50% physical, 30% mental, 20% coaching. It's really, did the general manager choose you correctly? Are you strong enough to hold up at the point of attack? And when I say physical, strong enough to hold up at the point of attack and strong enough mentally, although I'll still make it physical, in order to be an aggressive human being to love contact and want to make plays. And then I'll go 30% on the mental side of you reading the play have you done your homework did you do the study of your individual uh, guard or tackle that's lined up across from you to pick up keys and maybe some tells in what they have in their game or are you picking them up through the game what type of knowledge are you garnering from formations what do you know that they do in this down distance and formation those things are the mental side and then 20 percent of rush defense is simply coaching But most of rush defense is not coaching. It's really the guy. That there's an old phrase, there's the X's and the O's and there's the Jimmies and the Joes. And that means I can grease it up and write this X goes here and this O goes there, blah, 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 all you want. But if the Jimmy and Joe doesn't do what I've driven up uh, drawn up on the chalkboard, I'm out of luck. Well, 
rush defense is really the Jimmys and the Joes. Uh, the next one is how do you handle getting a pass rush on Jalen Hurts when he's so good if he gets outside the pocket and he's able to, to play the edges of your defense really well? Hard because there's layers to how you rush them, which gives him lanes and things like that. But you got to know, you know, how they set, what their protections are, um, where there's going to be vertical voids, I call them, how the quarterback likes to move in the pocket. Um, but, you know, hats off. I mean, that's what makes those type of quarterbacks hard to defend because you can't always account for that, you know. And if, depending on how many you got into the rush, there's open gaps. If you're rushing four, there's six gaps. So somebody, there's two open gaps somewhere so you just got to do a good job of I think changing the pieces on those guys at times and executing the rush plan um, all those guys rushing together they're not separate entities they all got to rush a certain way together so if I'm taking a power and he's taking a speed and he goes under and I don't cover him he's going to get out you know what I mean so I got to know when he's going to go under I got to be ready to you know cover things like that so that's why I say when, when I talk about rush mechanics I'm talking about however many people we have um, the resources we have to the quarterback, they have to play together. You know what I mean? And that's what the really good, you know, rush teams do. And then that's got to be coordinated with the back end, you know. So, the you know, we got to get on the right people. We got to take away the first look, all those things. So, got to disguise, give those guys a ticket time. So, that all goes into affecting the quarterback. But it's all 11 guys, not just the guys rushing the quarterback. It's everybody. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, thank you for pulling that one. That, that is so detailed and so cool. I mean, that that's a great football conversation to really bring you in. Like, if you love football, but maybe you don't have the ability to sit there and boom, see coverage, understand this is the cover two, this guy is here, this is what I want this read route to look like, this is what the backside corner is doing, did the quarterback read that backside corner, what should be available, pre-snap read, post-snap validation. That was all there as, number one, what did he want to talk about? Did we disguise our defense well enough that the quarterback thinks I got my first read? And then did we correctly diagnose down distance and formation to have a general idea this is going to be the first read because it's probably one of these four plays that their offense runs in this situation. And we were able to disguise what we're taking away and we were able to take away his first read. So immediately we've made the quarterback slightly uncomfortable. Now that we've done that, what can our rush do about it? Well, he's talking about Jalen Hurts getting outside the pocket or just running right through, the stepping up in the middle of the pocket. So then it becomes, you're a pass rusher, okay? And let's say you've got your guy set up. You have been rushing to the outside every time, every time. Now you come up with a fake jab step to the outside, and now you spin back inside or you do a rip move, swim move, and you try to go back inside, Okay. Now that you've made that move, you're thinking, I've got him set up. I, as the individual, can go make a play on the quarterback. However, on that specific play, you didn't communicate well, or you've got another guy that's going inside to his left, or maybe going outside, and now you guys are colliding in the same gap, and you get collapsed, and now it's easy for the quarterback to run right around you. You got selfish. 
because your responsibility on this play, no matter how much you think I'm going to be able to shoot this gap, that's not the gap you were supposed to be in. So now the quarterback gets outside in your gap because you were selfish thinking I can get the sack. And yet as I'm calling you selfish, if it works, nobody's upset. Great job. Hey, you broke the rules for the defense, but you made the play. So then every, then everybody benefits. But you better be right. It's really no different than a guy rounding third and running through a stop sign. I mean, that's one of those things that's really easy for all of us to see. Third base coach is like, hey, 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 hey. You know, and you got your hands up for him to stop and he runs right through it. Well, if he's safe, it's like, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you remember John, John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp, John Cougar, whatever his name was this week, when he says, uh, what is it? I fought authority, authority always. You know, like in that you're the blue collar dude. Yeah, you showed up to third base coach. You are safe. Yeah, you get all jacked up about it. Well, then if you get thrown out at the plate, now everybody's bent out of shape. Oh, selfish jerk. You just wanted to score. You wanted the thrill of the run. You didn't listen. We tried, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's no different in this. If you break the rules of your coverage, your gap, whatever you're supposed to be doing for the individual glory of the sack and you get it, great, you made a play. But if you don't, you end up getting cut if you do it more often than not. You're Aaron Donald. It's all right, Aaron. Hey, good job. I understand why you saw that. All right. All right. Hey, you're Aaron Donald. You're a a six-round draft pick in year two and you've been making mistakes for 18 months. All right, we're done. We'll find somebody else that's just going to – I just needed you to be in this gap. That's all. Who do you think you are, Aaron Donald? Get in your gap. You know, it's kind of like that. And all of that went into that answer right there. If he's going inside, you've got to stay in your gap, blah, blah, blah. So I I really like that. Okay, last one is is just about defending Jalen Hurts and in general. And when when you call a defense, what you're trying to take away. And you can really think of – how bad this team has been in stopping a, a Justin Fields with his legs, stopping anything Christian McCaffrey does, things like that. And now, how does that relate to making the call, taking things away from the other team? Yeah, there's no doubt. If, if you know, I always say there's a strength and a stress to each call. And you have to minimize, you got the strength has to be the strength. Um, and then the stress, you have to minimize the stress if the ball finds that stress. So our guys got to know that and play to those strengths and stresses of each call. That one's kind of simple, but I, I like it because what is he talking about? He knows when I call this defense, I know what it takes to beat it. I know that. And it's important to make sure everybody else knows this is the stress. If we call this defense and then they switch to this formation, that means the quarterback read our defense. Our decoy didn't work. We were not able to fool him with the pre-snap read. So now he's put the stress back on us, and then what are we going to be able to do about it? Do we have time to communicate the check and get us back into something and get us out of this play? You know, a lot of times you'll hear a coaching staff get ripped because you should not have run this blitz, blah, 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 blah. Okay, maybe they shouldn't. 
But maybe it was a case where we're calling this blitz, but all week long we've told the green dot, the middle linebacker, or the safety, hey, if they come out in this formation or if they switch to this formation, whatever it might be, the blitz is off. We're not doing the jailhouse blitz. We're not doing cover zero. We're switching out of it. Are we all good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see this. We switch out of it. Then they send in the blitz on game day. And everybody gets checked up. Yeah, here I come. I finally get the blitz the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they check right into the offensive formation that you're supposed to say, hey, cover zero's off, and you're too jacked up and you don't see it. Now, what do we do as fans? We rip the coach for calling that blitz. When the truth was, they didn't really call it because they're supposed to check out of it. And they didn't. I love hearing the stories of Luke Keekley and Peyton Manning the old middle linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, where both guys, and Tom Brady too, but it's mostly with Peyton and Keekley, where both guys would talk about the vast intelligence of the other person and how many checks they would do at the line. I'm at the line, I'm checking into this. Keekley knows what's coming, so he checks into the defense that stops exactly what Peyton wants to do. So now Peyton checks into this. Keekley tries to check back. And if either one of them miscommunicate the check, it's disastrous. Either a delay of game, wasted timeout, Peyton Manning gets sacked because somebody didn't run the right hot read or he's getting ready to throw it and he's got to throw it to a hot and that got covered. And now there's a guy right there for, a, for an interception. However, Keekley's got to make sure everybody behind him and in front of him gets the check. And he's got to get himself back into position. And if somebody doesn't get that check, boom, Peyton knew exactly where the hole was going to be. Really cool to hear those guys talk about that. And that's what that's what hardcore football is all is all about. And I love that stuff. Uh, I think this is going to be a bloodbath with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are in a massive fight right now to be able to get what they want playoff wise, keep separation with them and Dallas. And they need this, even though it seems like it's just the Cardinals. They need this. This also applies to a tiebreaker record against common opponents because the Cardinals have played all the NFC East teams. So any tiebreaker that might happen is this game affects greatly. Plus it's a conference game. One of the tiebreakers is your conference record. So Philadelphia has the anger from the fans against Jonathan Gannon, the need to win for tie-breaking scenarios, and simply they're at home with a better team. I, I realize the Cardinals will be up for it. You know, hey, we want to be able to have a chance to knock off the Eagles. But wow, wow, I, I really find this ugly. And then a defense that does um, is able to hide coverage pretty well, I think they're going to eat up Kyler Murray. So this will be uh, – I think this will be pretty ugly. Uh, coming up next – Got a little bit of Suns. Talk to Steve McCollum about his Christmas in the main event. And I got Versus Vegas for you. I've had a good time. Hopefully I was able to fool you into thinking I was prepared today. (laughs) This is a Beer Friday. Thanks to the folks at 100 Mile Brewing Company and the A Mountain Amber Ale in Tempe. On Doug Franz Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Burrito Express started with my father about 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. at the juice on some of the games for versus Vegas and uh, I was hoping I'd get some better numbers on the Kraken and I didn't get what I wanted so I'm not touching it. Uh, one real quick before I get to Suns, uh, here's Buda Baker. I forgot to get to this. I thought this was pretty funny. He wanted to make sure that Jonathan Gannon didn't think that this was a, a home game for himself taking on the Eagles. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I think he's he's treating it throughout the week like it's you know just another game. Of course, he knows a lot of the personnel there, and uh, you know he 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 has us thinking. You know, of course, it's just another game, and um, you know, of course, we we know about the fan base as well. But just a team who's battling to be a number one seed in the NFC um, team that's you know going to be in the playoffs and a team that you know of course is a, a one of the best teams in the league so for us to come in there and um you know win that game we're gonna have to play a very good style brand of football and um, we're gonna take it one play at a time and you know that's what it's gonna be um you know during this team meeting this morning i almost interrupted jg because i was like thinking in my head like i better not see no you know, shaking hands, kissing, hugging babies before the game. You know, you do that after the game. So, you know, he'll probably see this and uh, laugh about it. But, you know, that was on my mind when he was talking today. So, of course, you know, we're, it's just another opponent. We're, we're going to try and go into their house and, and win the game. Those little things do show me he still has the attention of the players. You, you can just tell. I've been around press conferences long enough. Still has the respect of Buddha for Buddha to rib him a little bit like that. I, I, have to, I don't mean to laugh at this, but I just I can't believe it. I have nothing against Monty Williams. Detroit, last night, they were up by 21 against the Celtics. Allow the Celtics to come all the way back, tie it. Celtics win in overtime. That means Detroit has tied the record for the most losses in the history of basketball in a row. They're 28 straight loss. Just to let you wrap your head around this, Detroit started the season 2-1. Two, two wins, one loss. Hey, all right, all right, all right. They haven't won since they started 2-1. <laughs> They're on a 28-game losing streak. And tonight they take on Toronto. If if I think that's right, 
I might, it might be coming up in a couple days, actually. Their, their next game might be against Toronto coming up tomorrow night. Yes, I'm right. So they take, I'm right the second time, not the first time. They, they take on Toronto uh, coming up in a day or two. If they lose that game, they have now set the record for the most losses in the history of basketball in a row. Also, an old 76ers team from the late 70s holds the record for the most losses. They had nine wins. Nine wins. A 70-loss season. I think they were 9-73. and 73 if I'm not mistaken, because I think they lost like, like one game didn't get played. I, I think it's nine and 73 is the 76ers record. This is now in serious jeopardy for you to only have two wins possibly going into the next year. And you now have to cram in eight wins between January and, and mid-April. I, I don't see how in the world they could do that. That's almost two wins a month and they're this terrible i can't help but laugh about it sun's in action tonight against charlotte uh charlotte's not only terrible but it doesn't look like they got gordon hayward but i i hope the suns actually play lockdown defense this this team isn't quite embarrassing but it's close and they are embarrassing in the fourth quarter uh i I don't fire Frank Vogel, but I got to tell you, this is the type of things when a new owner just starts firing people. Uh, I'm not necessarily hearing things, but I'm hearing things. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock this morning, Steve McCollum and Izzy, uh, Izzy Isaiah Jackson, IOS, having a mashup show. Steve, good morning. How was your Christmas? It was good. What'd you do? What'd you do? Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Christmas things. Oh, okay. Are you are you a big eater? Do you have good no. eats? Do you have the the big spiral ham and and all the fixins and stuff I like mean, that? You got all that stuff, but I'm not a huge eater. Believe it or not, looking like this, you think I would be, but I'm really not. I was not going there. Yeah. Uh, I shock people at all. Your number one 2024 prediction. Oh, yeah, put me on the spot like that. It's it's hey, it's New Year's. Here we go. Arizona is going to uh, resort back to only winning five or six games next year. Oh, it's in the Arizona Cardinals. No, Wildcats. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. You have no positivity. I don't think they're going to sustain this. Uh, Look at, right, he's not going after the draft, uh, the transfer portal. That has been, quite frankly, proven to be a disaster. Ask uh, Dabo Sweeney, who plays later on today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm really concerned that he's focusing on the kids he's got. And quite frankly, uh, he got lucky this year by having Fafita play so well uh, in that. And I'm not saying he won't play well. I love the young kid. Uh, But uh, I just I'm worried about the the way they're handling this, like Clemson and a couple other teams that haven't done the transfer portal. I'm not sure if it can be sustained. And the other reason, odds are in my favor because Arizona traditionally doesn't that, sustain that part's that success. True. That's that part's true. I, yeah. I always look at it as, do you have a quarterback? And yeah. you already said it. They've got a quarterback. Yeah. But, so, but teams are going to figure out T-Mac, right? That offense for whatever receivers are there uh, next year. I, they caught people by surprise this year. And going Big 12 on top of it. Uh, look, I know uh, the, their best offensive lineman sat out last night. Right, but right. you saw how they struggled against a Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. Big 12 teams uh, can run the football. Even their low end. Oklahoma State has a stud at running back. Uh, you know, And uh, things like that for the defensive 
line at least. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how they transform into the Big 12. But I'm, I don't know. I'm not uh, sold on it. But, you know, successful year for them. Sold. That's just with you putting me on the spot. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally get that. <laughs> sold would be a little strong for me to say I'm sold on U of A being good. But I'm not sold on the Big 12 being a big problem. I think K-State will be good. I don't, I don't act like I know anything about K-State. But they're always good. Hey, they're, 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 they're not they're, great, but they're yeah, always they're, good. They're better than average. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. beat you up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But then nobody else in the conference, and plus you're bringing ASU, Utah, and Colorado with you, so you assume Utah will be pretty good. But for the most part, you got three Pac-12 teams, and the strength of the Big 12 is leaving. So I, I'm not worried about the Big 12 doing something to to U of A, but I have to agree with your last comment of well, U of A doing something to U of A like they yeah. have in the past. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 a proven track record. They're, they're, you know, in these last couple of years of teams screaming backwards by not taking advantage of the transfer yeah, portal. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going off of early signing day, so it's just kind of a, a situation. I brought it up a couple. I brought it up like a month ago, and I got yelled at for being negative. Uh, you know, let them have it. All right, well, I gave them 12 hours after that Alamo victory last night, <laughs> so it's time to look forward. Very, uh, very good. Where would you say? you are in the Suns relax the playoffs are in four months yeah. versus I, hey we got problems here I've said all along man I'm not going to panic until February mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know I was kind of rewarded by that you, you said I think you said you didn't see the Rockets game yes uh, when correct. you watch the Rockets game that's the first game I think this year maybe they had a game earlier this year but it's so long ago you don't remember where ball rotation happened Kevin Durant actually was aggressive in that game uh, he was able to pop it out to Eric Gordon I had this big montage yesterday that I played on uh, filling in for you uh, where this was the first time you could be positive about this team with what they were doing and they were hitting their shots and uh, I think that's what's coming I think they got a wake-up call with Woj attacking KD a little bit and saying what he said I think uh, Beal possibly coming back tonight. If not tonight, he'll be back this weekend. I'm pretty sure of it. I think that is coming. And, uh, you know, and aggressiveness of ball rotation is key. And they had it against the Rockets. Yeah. That, I read about it, and that's what I read. But I don't like yeah. to just regurgitate what somebody else yeah. Wait, Wait till said, you so see I'm, it. I'm it, glad to hear yeah. you, you repeat I, it. I, it was like it. a two-minute montage yesterday of game plays where it was just Kevin Durant, you know, Rockets collapsing down on him. He's kicking it out to Eric Gordon, and he's making the three uh, and it, it was like okay this is the Suns team we've been waiting for yeah uh, and they finally showed up in that game now the question is are they sustain it or do they go back yeah there's one opinion you've been real strong on and I admit I I don't know if I'm being wishy-washy because I disagree with you and agree with you at the same time <laughs> I want them to get a point guard yeah. and it's not a slight I do think Devin Booker can play point guard there's a problem though to me he's not a very good shooting yeah. guard when he's I, the point guard well, that's my point. I'm not saying he's not a oh, good okay. point guard yeah. I'm saying I'm offense stops yeah. when Devin Booker has the ball and brings it up uh, it's a lot of isolation ball there's been no rotation uh, watch watch the game right uh, uh, Sabian yeah. brought the ball up and you'll see a rotation Kevin Durant was able to spread the ball you actually saw the ball moving in this Rockets game mm. right and I think when uh, uh, Damian Lee comes back you'll see a little bit more of him bringing the ball up as well um, yeah I'm not I'm not in any way saying uh, putting bookers one booker doesn't like to be the you're point right. guard you're right uh, so that's affecting the team but wa- watch the Rockets game we can talk about it afterwards because yeah, I, uh, I saw a noticeable difference and I know I'm not the only one yeah. but I saw a noticeable difference in this Suns team uh, with ball rotation and quite frankly it was taking the ball out of uh, Booker's hand a lot of the time yeah well uh, Cardinals 
Eagles. I, oh, I'd I, love that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're with that. me. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, you know, they can't stop the run. Their defensive right. line is awful. Uh, you're not sure if uh, Loku's going to play yet. You know, he's coming back from IR, designated window. I'm yeah. not anticipating, but even if he does, who cares? Ledbetter being out to huge hit for them. Their front line, front seven to quite frankly, sucked mm-hmm. these last several weeks with putting pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, you, you're not going to be able to stop the Eagles, and that's going to be the problem. Doesn't mean that the Cardinals' offense isn't going to go up to, up and down the field. Now, can they score touchdowns is the question, but Cardinals are going to lose a shootout uh, no matter what against a team that's just going to not be able to be stopped. I, I don't like to talk trash to Vegas because you always get smacked in the face when you do that. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I was shocked, and it's coming up in versus Vegas in a couple minutes. I was shocked to find out it's only a 12-point. FanDuel had 11 and a half uh, about a half an hour ago when I wrote it down. I just looked at 12. I I like your 11. That makes no sense. Just the simple math of, wait, two touchdowns? You you think – the Cardinals can well, stay within two touchdowns? No way. But keep in mind, the Eagles will stop throwing the ball and go to a running game when they get a comfortable lead. So that's yep. going to suppress it there. And the Cardinals have the capability of keeping this game close through the third quarter, possibly, yeah, with their offense. Right, if right. they can score touchdowns, it's just it's just a defense. Eventually, it's just the floodgates are going to open. The one thing that scares me is that you know, no matter how anybody feels about this season – they don't quit. They do yes. play for Jonathan Gannon. So, to your point, it could. How many times have the Cardinals scored a touchdown with five minutes yes. left in the game? And for those of you that aren't gamblers, they call that a backdoor yeah. cover. So, where the Cardinals are down by 17, yeah. you know it's over. The Eagles are just playing out the string. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the Coyotes with, or Coyotes, Cardinals with four minutes yes. left score a touchdown. And now they're down by 10. And I'm sitting here holding my yeah. minus 11 yeah. and a half. Like, and what just happened? And you're sitting there going, here comes the onside kick. Yeah, no, it's happened several times yeah. this year. Yeah. And that's, that's what you got to worry about. Uh, going into this game. And part of it is, like I said, is the Eagles will turn into a running team if they get a big enough lead, which will allow the Cardinals to possibly keep the game. You know, we're saying close. We're saying 10 for 17. Uh, So that's something you do have to worry about in this game. There's no doubt about it. Brilliant points, but you didn't scare me off of it. Uh, You got got about 15 (laughs) seconds. Tell me your life story for what's coming up in the mashup. Man, a lot of uh, fun mashup week. Holiday programming. Three hours, of course. Here we got hockey. I got a bunch of hockey stuff. I I get caught up on that. Colts football uh mayo bowl is one of the best bowls ever <laughs> run by mayo until the pop top bowl yesterday <laughs> pop tarts baby i'm a i'm a little partial granted the mid-american conference normally plays in it Little partial to the Idaho, the famous potato Idaho bowl or whatever it's called, when they dump French fries on people. But I'm going to be entertained today coming up on the main event and the mashup with iOS for any Pop-Tart dust. Fairy dust falling on people. First of all, thanks to Jeff Weir Production and Izzy. It is not easy to put together a show when the host of the show gets home at 9.15 Watches the Alamo Bowl and watches Thursday night football and then falls asleep and says, hey, good luck putting the show together, everybody. And they did it. So today's show was a lot better than it should have been. And all credit goes to Jeff Weir Production and Izzy. So thank you for doing everything you did on the show. Let's look at um, versus Vegas today. 
If you didn't listen to the Christmas show that I did, I went one and one on Christmas. I went for blood money and told you the Mavericks would beat the Suns, and I got it, 128-114. I shouldn't say beat the Suns. I took the points, so I had negative juice, but I still got the game right. And then I liked Milwaukee covering the three-and-a-half against the Knicks. Uh, Milwaukee didn't cover because they didn't win. Knicks won that game. I get, I didn't get robbed. I didn't deserve it. So I end up one and one over my holiday break. Today I got I got four games that I like going into the weekend. I like Toronto, the Raptors plus the eight against Boston. Boston's on the back end of a back to back, but admittedly it's a home back to back. They didn't travel anywhere, and they took on Detroit, but they went into overtime. Some people might think, well, that means Boston. They, they had a terrible start against Detroit. They'll be a little more awake for today's game. I understand that theory, but when I saw the spread being as high as eight points on the back end of a back-to-back, uh, I think the Celtics win, but I'm going to say they win by about five. So I'll take the Raptors plus the eight. Clippers are favored by seven and a half over Memphis. Memphis on the back end of a back-to-back. And coming from Denver, tough place to travel out of, playing at altitude. I love this one. I'm going to take Clippers minus the seven and a half. And then let's go Suns. I I really like what Steve McCollum just said, highlighting the ball movement against the Rockets. Plus, you have a bad Charlotte team that's injured. And even though you have a Suns team that has struggled – that's veteran laden, which normally means somebody takes a day off or something. I think they've got so much to work on. You're going to see them play hard throughout the game. And that means I don't care what the spread is. It's a high spread. 15 and a half. That's still a lot. I don't care how bad Charlotte is. That's hard in the NBA. But I'm going to take it. I don't think the Suns are going to let up. I think they're really going to push hard, especially with the six-game, the beginning of a six-game homestand. So it's not like you rest guys for a ro- because you're on the road or you got tough travel coming up. I think everything points to a Suns blowout tonight. So I'll take the Suns minus the 15 and a half. And even though Steve McCollum just made up brilliant points, and a, it is scary to think of a backdoor cover with the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Eagles are just such light years better than the Cardinals, but there's also going to be the juice of home field, the juice of the fans wanting to run it down Jonathan Gannon's throat, and the importance of keeping separation with Dallas and the playoff hunt to try to get the number one seed and catch the 49ers. I think there's a lot going here for Philly, so I think they're going to be focused. I love the Eagles minus the 12 at home. Although I admit, if the Eagles are winning by 17 points and the Cardinals have the football late in the fourth quarter, I'm a nervous wreck. I'll be the first one to tell you that. So those are my games. I got one underdog. I'm taking the points with the Raptors and Clippers, Suns, and Eagles all to cover. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Sweet Lou, hope everything's going well. I'm back in town. Let's get together and get lunch. Let's play some golf, and uh, let's start talking about our first 2024 
outing of the year in which we all get together and play golf at Whirlwind. I want to get that on the calendar soon because, hey, Unplugged Army, I miss you. I got back from Christmas. I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go and get together again after our great Christmas party at Bell's Nashville Kitchen, the first ever sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. You want to talk freshness? They don't make your coleslaw that day. They make your coleslaw that order. And that's just one example. You get a sandwich, a southern sandwich with coleslaw on it, guess what? They make it for the sandwich. That's it. That's the freshness you get at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. They're located in Scottsdale, just a hair east of Scottsdale Road on Main Street. And when I say a hair, I mean you turn east and 50 feet later, there's Bell's Nashville Kitchen on your left. Official sports bar is Rosati's, but only the one at Ray and McQueen in Chandler. And then there's beer. Speak about freshness. That is the beer you get at 100 Mile Brewing Company. Try all their different varieties. They have a hilarious variety called Cell Phone Lot because it's lower in alcohol and they're so close to the airport. Why in the world? Oh, thank you. Why in the world would you not have done that today? Why, why wouldn't you go get that kind of beer? Because with the lower alcohol, don't sit in the cell phone lot. Cell phone lot's packed if you have to pick up somebody from the airport. Go in, make sure you have less than one beer an hour, and then drive on over when you get that text and go pick up your buddy in, in the actual airport. But use 100 Mile Brewing Company. It makes perfect sense. And by the way, if you want lunch, I love their turkey club. I realize a lot of people have good sandwiches, but man, the turkey club is fantastic. Best burrito that you can ever get in your life is the breakfast burrito at Burrito Express. Boy, does that sound fantastic today. Go to any of the seven locations across the east side. And if there's any issues, boy, this is the time of year. 40-degree mornings, 78-degree afternoons. Your heating or your air conditioning might be on both in the same day. This is when problems can happen. Have this number ready at any moment. 6022 repair. That's the number for Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. Coming up, no show on Monday. Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Coming back Tuesday morning, talking about the bowl games, Cardinals, Eagles, and the Suns. The main event and Izzy Jackson, IOS Izzy on Sports. The matchup is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.